What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. What a mother-flirking day. What a mother-flirking day it's been today. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if this is your first time here, welcome to the show. We're very glad to have you. Make yourselves at home. Kick your feet up. Make yourself comfortable. Uh, today's episode is going to be a doozy. I guess I say that quite often. Um, but before we get into today's episode, let's talk about that last episode that from A to Geeks mash up. Okay, now, how many of you tried to download that episode as soon as I put it on the different various uh, podcatchers? Raise your hand. Well, if you attempted to download that episode and found that it was only a partial file, I apologize. I'm not 100% sure that uh, there was an audio issue or there was an issue with the file, but if there was, I apologize. I corrected the issue as soon as someone brought it to my attention, and I'm not 100% sure if it was uh, an issue with their equipment, you know, like what they were using to listen to the episode on, or if it was actually an issue on my end. It's way too easy to make sure that my file is okay on my end and just re-upload it so that you guys are getting an episode when you're supposed to get an episode. So it's a lot of fun doing the From A to Geeks thing, but boy, it's like so much on the other side when you're trying to uh, collaborate on getting those files. It's like, uh, that's a different thing. But you know what? You We, we live, we learn. So doing these collaborations, these mashups, these crossover events is fun and it's also uh, it's teaching us how to get better at doing these things in the future. I'm all for getting better, right? So I hope you guys enjoyed it and I hope uh, a lot of you took the invitation up and went over to the From, From A to Geeks podcast and listened to the entire episode. So if you ever wanted to know 115 different facts about Tasha Pierce that was the day because they were asking questions uh, pretty much this uh, step away from the podcast for a moment and tell me a little about yourself type questions and it was fun uh, answering those questions and they got to know a little bit more about me and if you go over and listen to the episode you will too when I say today has been a mother flirking day let me put this in the atmosphere. We got like less than 10 days. Less than 10 days before Avengers Endgame. In fact, it'll probably be one week. Exactly one week to the opening day for Avengers Endgame. When you guys start hearing this podcast. In this one week, we don't want to see your spoilers. Now, it's one thing to share a theory or something that's that's not substantiated. That's one thing. We're just speculating. That's fun. 
It's something entirely different. When you post a motherfucking clip that is from the movie. In fact, not just one clip, like a bunch of clips all pieced together of pivotal points in the movie. I have not seen said clips, but I was at work on Wednesday afternoon and something just said, check your, check your Facebook page. And I get my ass over there and somebody has posted the spoiler video on my podcast's Facebook page. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that the person who posted this was like, oh, this is some Avengers Endgame shit. Tasha likes Avengers Endgame. Let me go ahead and post this on her page. There's no doubt in my mind that the intentions were good. So let me put this out into the atmosphere. I deleted the video as soon as I saw it on my page. I do not want anybody to worry about coming to my platforms and finding big fucking flaming spoilers. So I apologize. Anybody who clicked on that and got the movie ruined for them, I apologize. And again, I don't think it was a uh, trolling. I don't think it was somebody who had bad intentions. But none of us want this movie spoiled like that. None of us want to see parts, the, the best parts of a movie in a thrown together video with horrible audio. I, I read about uh, the, this video that has been making the rounds and uh, basically trolls are getting armed. People who aim to ruin the movie for people for us are armed now with that video. You guys, we, we got to think, I'm sorry, 10 steps ahead of the trolls. We can either stay off of social media, which how many of us are really going to do that? Or we have to police these things ourselves. That was shocking that that video was on my page for at least three hours before I saw it. I hurried up and I took it down and I put the rule out there that you cannot share any spoiler type material on the page. Nothing. And I'm going to try to be far more vigilant with the Facebook page or either I'm going to make it where I'm the only person who can post on it until well after Endgame. I don't want people to, I don't want you guys to get spoiled. You know, I don't want to spoil it for you. And I apologize if it already was spoiled for you. Second year in a row, we've got the Russo brothers pretty much begging fans not to spoil it. Uh, to understand that just because you saw it does not mean every fan has seen it. Wait a respectful amount of time before we start talking about it online. That is, I, I would hope, common courtesy, but if it's not, I'm reiterating that from this platform saying no spoilers in any way, shape or form until further notice from me on my platforms. Um, what you do on other people's platforms will be up to them. But on my platforms, we're not going to drop any spoilers until a respectful amount of time where everybody who we know wants to see this movie should have seen it. We're going to give it a respectful amount of time and then we're going to go into spoilers. There is nothing wrong with saying it was an awesome movie or it was great or, I, or it sucked or whatever. But plot points and that sort of thing, we will not give out 
until we've waited a respectful amount of time for people to have seen the movie or I'm thinking of another way that we may be able to get into spoiler territory if we find that we just can't wait. Maybe we'll do a live stream and uh, meet up somewhere (laughs) and talk spoilers. But until then, until that announcement has been made, there will be nothing spoilerific coming from after the snap intentionally. (laughs) Nothing. All right. In the news today, we've got some DC Universe news that kind of like shocked me. It's It kind of knocked me, knocked me back for a second. I got a little worried. And that is production for the next live action show that's going to be on uh, DC Universe was just out of nowhere halted. In fact, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing had a 13-episode order that just got cut down to 10 episodes. And then rumor mills started saying that, oh, Swamp Thing's going to be canceled. And then it was saying, oh, DC, I mean, uh, yeah, DC is getting so spooked by what Disney Plus is doing that they now want to pull DC Universe, pull the rug from under that, and move it to their Warner, their Warner streaming service that they're coming up with. And... I'm like, well, why the fuck would you start DC <laughs> if you know that you're going to pull the plug on it and put all that content on the Warner streaming service? So just craziness, just outright craziness. But a statement has been put out by Warner. Don't know how true it is. It may be just so people won't get spooked and start canceling their subscriptions or whatever. But they put out a statement saying, hey, it was just it was just some creative differences. It has nothing to do with us trying to absorb this platform into the Warner streaming service. So we'll see if that's true. If it's not true, I guess we won't find out for a while anyway. But if it is true, then we will be looking for Swamp Thing. I believe it's at the end of May. Yeah, it's looking like it's got a a date of May 31st for the premiere of Swamp Things, which is going to be 10 episodes instead of 13. And like I know I mentioned on one of our previous episodes how I was uh, very supposed to be follow or supposed to blah, 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 blah. It's one o'clock in the morning, so I got a little tongue tied and I'm probably going to get a little tongue tied. I should have just waited to record, but I just got thirsty, said, forget it. I want to record now. And here I am. So. I started off covering the Doom Patrol and things just got a little too gory for me. Now, I haven't watched any episodes, I think, since the either fourth or fifth episode of Doom Patrol. So I may just sit and just binge through the rest of it. But I, that I don't have to talk about it, you know. And by all means, if you don't mind bloody shit, kind of just gore for the sake of gory, it's not a bad show got a lot of it's got a lot going for it i was enjoying it i just can't i just can't and i'm gonna tell you one spoiler about the doom patrol that i i even tried to get past so this is one spoiler okay there was a fight scene in which uh, what's the name robot man (laughs) was fighting and he literally tore a person in half and then beat the rest of the crowd that was coming at him with the bottom half 
of the body that he had just tore in half. Now, you see, for some people, there's nothing. That's nothing. For me, it was just that image stuck with me and just blood and gore. I can't do it no more. I used to could do it. I can't do it anymore. It's old age. It's just fucking old age. <laughs> I can't do it. So, by all means, if you can handle gore and just other shocking shit, watch Doom Patrol because it's not a bad show. It's just was just not a fit for me. Moving on. There's so many other things on DC Universe and, you know, uh, Justice, Young Justice, the second part of this season is coming back soon. And then you'll have the Harley Quinn cartoon soon, plus all the other DC animated content. I'm not regretting having the channel. Plus, I get to watch the, like 1970 episodes of Shazam, like 1974. And I'm telling you, I was telling my son a few days ago, some of my earliest childhood memories is sitting in front of a big ass TV, TV probably three times bigger than my little ass. I was little, watching Shazam and couldn't wait to say Shazam. So I remember, and it wasn't Shazam, then it was Captain Marvel. But I remember, uh, I remember that show being on, and I was a little person. So like I said, this has been with me for a long time, and I'm not gonna get all nostalgic. But this is that that is one of the shows that. It started it all. Anyway, you also see that Kevin Feige was uh, featured in an article in Variety magazine. And I'm like, wow, look at this. This nerd and just glowed the fuck up. He started just a person who loved movies and series that were that had sequels. And if a sequel lived up to his fantasies or what he thought it should be, he was like, yes. And if a sequel didn't, he would figure out in his mind what he would have done differently to make this sequel up to his expectations. And, you know, that's just what he's doing now. He parlayed that talent, that kind of living in your own mind. He said he would journal about the movies that he saw. And think about things like the music and the sound system and all of these things. He parlayed that into this lucrative position at the top of the Marvel pyramid, part of the Disney paradigm. And and here he is, a freaking millionaire for nerd shit. So there are people who misunderstand the power of this this medium, this genre of movies, this this is not just a bunch of losers living in their parents' ba- basements uh, talking about superhero shit. These are people who are creatives, who can take... Now, there are some fucking losers living in their parents' basement doing nothing but trying to one-up the person next to them. Because it just makes them feel better for some reason. There are those. So don't don't get it twisted. I am I acknowledge that they exist. But what I'm saying is that there are a group of people who are parlaying this into something more. And it it doesn't mean that this is a person who hasn't grown up. Kevin Feige is my age. 
And had I walked a, a different path, I might be doing what Kevin Feige is doing, but instead I'm doing this and I love it. But shit, I sure would like some of that Kevin Feige money, you know, and it just disgusts me at times how people want to look down their nose when you tell them what uh, what is your passion, what you are passionate about. Even it might not be what they're passionate about, might not be the, the choice of movie. I'm not going to see your Tyler Perry movies, but you'll catch me damn near 100 percent of the time for a Marvel movie. And probably we can go 80% of the time if you say it's a superhero involved in this movie, period. If it's uh, the right kind of sci-fi, you'll catch me in the movies probably 70% of the time. I'm going to see that movie. 70% of the time. That's some good percentages. I don't want to, to have to defend my choice at my age. And... It's also good to know that there are people who are far nerdier than me at 40 plus and that they are getting fucking paid for it. So kudos. Congratulations, Kevin Feige, for being an example to the world of what just being a nerd can get you. A talented nerd, albeit a talented nerd. He's not just some nerd. He is a talented nerd. Creative nerd trust me all right so all of that because i just wanted to get some news out of the way before we get into what the meat of this episode is going to be about and that is i'm picking my top moments from the mcu my favorite moments from all of the movies basically i think i got something for every movie so even Thor the Dark World, how about that? I think I've got something for every movie. I might have missed one because I always say Thor the Dark World when really the bottom of my MCU list is probably the Incredible Hulk. And if you remember way back in those horrible episodes from the beginning, <laughs> I recently went back and listened to a whole lot of my episodes just to see how much I've grown. In, in a bunch of different areas, like how comfortable am I talking on the microphone now, which the comfortability level has raised considerable amount, a considerable amount. How my editing has gotten, which before my editing was terrible. But first it was non-existent. Then it was, oh shit, at least she's trying. And then I would get a little adventurous. And the adventurous mode right when in that area, I think I would be a, a low C when I started trying to figure out ways to uh, to duck the music underneath my, my my conversation and just how I wanted to present myself as a podcaster. I think, yeah, that was about a C. I think I would give myself probably a B now. And I mean, I still have my C and D days, but I would give myself a B. I, I definitely hear growth. I definitely can tell from the difference from when I first started and I was using a little handheld recorder and uh, you could tell the difference in the audio. So if you've been with me from the beginning, man, God bless you because we've been through some shit, ain't we? <laughs> we've been through some true to life shit. 
when I listen to those episodes, I just, I nearly want to fall over and like, oh my God, that was me. (laughs) And now it's a little better. And I'm still saying that sometimes when I listen to episodes, like, oh my God, that's me. So hopefully we're growing together. Um, And if you just joined in on the party, if you're just now getting to dig into after the snap, you picked a good time to, to jump in because things have gotten tremendously better over the last, let's say the last two months. The last two months, things have gotten a whole hell of a lot better. If you really want, if you really want to be a fan, go back and listen to some of the old shit. Tell me what you think. Uh, after the snap at gmail.com. I'll be looking for your feedback. <laughs> okay. This is in the order that the movies came out. So it's not in the MCU chronology. This is in release date order that the movies came out. I'm going to tell you my favorite moments in most of the MCU offerings. And I honestly think that the only movie I didn't really have anything for was Incredible Hulk. But I digress. Let's see how many of them will end up on your favorite list as well. I asked people to send me their favorite moments. And I will tell you if somebody shared a favorite moment with me. And I only had a couple of people who responded as as usual. But... I will let you know if, you know, this moment that I say is shared by somebody in the audience. All right. All right. So the first movie in the MCU is Iron Man. And my favorite moment from Iron Man was meeting Tony Stark for the very first time. Um, When we first met Tony Stark, we started at his left hand. He was riding in that that convoy of military vehicles as they were going to demonstrate the Jericho weapon. We start with his left hand with his drink and we move up. And Robert Downey Jr. embodied Tony Stark. And once he started talking, I was like, this mother, this is Tony Stark. So, yes, my favorite moment, my first favorite moment from the MCU was meeting Tony Stark. My second favorite moment was from Iron Man 2. And uh, that was Rhodey and Tony's fight. That whole devil in the bottle kind of sample we got where Rhodey and Tony are fighting at the birthday party and they damn near, they both got the uh, armor on and they damn near blow Tony's house up. That was a powerful moment for more than one reason. The first reason is the callback to Tony having a problem. That was a comic book arc. And it was just nice that Marvel gave a nod to that arc by having Tony and Rhodey fight because Tony wasn't dealing uh, with what he had been through on the path, the journey of to becoming Iron Man And the very thing that was saving his life was also killing him, that arc reactor in his chest. So Tony had some issues and he was dealing with it inappropriately. And 
That was just big to me. Not to mention it was DJed by DJ AM who uh, passed away shortly before this movie uh, made it to theater. So he passed away uh, of a drug overdose very shortly after filming the scenes as he was DJing the fight between Rhodey and Tony. And then my another scene from Iron Man 2 was Justin Hammer's weapon presentation to Road. So when Rhodey was looking to arm his suit of armor that he took from Tony and Justin Hammer was was so excited to be showing him the weapons that he could sell to to enhance this suit. Boy, and when he got to the ex-wife, I was just like, this dude is killing it. <laughs> he He's so excited about selling these weapons. It was just, it, it was hard to not feel the joy that this man felt. I think the actor's name is Sam Rockwell. And I also believe that he was considered for the role of Tony Stark at one point. I'm glad we got it the way we did, but he definitely did an absolutely wonderful job at being Justin Hammer, especially in that scene where he was selling the uh, the weapons to Rhodes. My next MCU favorite moment is number four. Odin banishes Thor. Man, once I found out that that was freestyled, that was vintage Anthony Hopkins, you can cancel everything. That's going to always be one of my favorite moments because... They were riffing, pretty much riffing off of each other as far as their their dialogue. And Anthony Hopkins pulled that out. And you felt like he was truly Odin, truly disappointed in his son Thor and banishing him to Earth, telling him he's not worthy. That was dope. And then my fifth uh, favorite moment was when Thor did the sacrifice thing. So... Another thing that was brought to my attention as I was re- as I was kind of researching for the Thor episode way back, way back, way back, was that Thor was written, and this is not my opinion, this is what is said by the person who wrote the script. He was written as an Old Testament God who turned into a New Testament God. And I didn't look at that that way initially so after watching the movie and keeping that line what he said in mind I don't understand how I didn't see it in the first place because it even came down to him being prepared to sacrifice his life now uh, biblically the the sacrifice did occur but Thor symbolically sacrificed himself And that's when he became the God that we know now. He became this God. He was humbled and he regained his position in Asgard. And I just thought, wow. So that wasn't my first, it wasn't on my uh, list probably before this year of my favorite MCU moments. It became one of my favorites after I did some research on the character. Uh, Captain America, number six. The first time we see Cap say, I can do this all day. That, to me, that that is a defining moment for the character. 
and it has defined him going through the entire arc so pretty much of all these marvel movies cap can get knocked down but he's getting the fuck back up he can take a ass kicking he can get his ass kicked all day he can fight all day in fact because he ain't just gonna take no ass kicking he's going to fight and he can do it all day and i love that about captain america i love that about that you see the grit and even when he's losing he's gonna fight and you saw how he parlayed that into almost being able to hold thanos off with a gauntlet with the gauntlet it's crazy I shouldn't have said that because that's coming up on the back end of things that are favorite moments. But I'm telling you, Captain America has quite a few favorite moments from me. Okay, and the Avengers, number seven. That 360 degree shot of the Avengers is probably number three on my all-time favorite. So if I was to put these in like order of my favorite favorites, that is my third favorite, favorite MCU moment. Uh, number eight was Agent Coulson's death. Because Loki knew not what he was doing when he when he uh, killed, quote unquote, killed Agent Coulson. Uh, Agent Coulson also said, you lack conviction. Oh my goodness. That was the thing that started them to being the Avengers. They needed something to avenge. So Agent Coulson's death was a pivotal moment. Pivotal moment in the MCU at, up to that point. Uh, number nine, and that is this is shared by user Huey on, on uh, Facebook. Hulk pummels Loki. You don't know how many times I had to say that before I got it right. So when... Loki actually kind of tried to snap and was like, uh, I am a god and just going all off. Then Hulk grabbed his leg and slung his ass around and then told him you a puny god. <laughs> that was the moment in Avengers, even though that 360 degree scene with all the heroes in that circle. And that was a dope scene, but if you will, just points for laughing, points for, for funniness. When Hulk destroyed Loki like that, that was pretty damn funny. And there's some, some honorable mentions in that movie. I'm pretty sure we could go on for a while talking about moments from the original Avengers movie, specifically Ant Boots. <laughs> and, and I'm hoping that everybody has seen these movies and remember these lines. If you've seen them as many times as, as I have, because I've been literally right off of the watch party. So, you know, I just watched all these movies over the last, say, 22 weeks. So, yeah. But yeah, Ant Boot, that was pretty funny. Iron Man 3, number 10. Tony goes Batman slash Bond. So when Tony's suit was... Uh, wasn't charged and he was trying to charge it when he was in god damn it i forgot where that was was it louisiana i didn't forgot where it was but wherever he was he's in the middle of nowhere his suit needs to be charged and he also needs to go to where the mandarin is and basically take him down and save pepper 
And he didn't know Rhodes was there too, but yeah, Rhodes was there too. And he did it like as Tony in detective mode, not Tony in Iron Man mode. So the, the, he, he's bigger than that suit of armor. He learned that he was the hero and the armor was just a means to an end. He is the hero and with just regular shit, he built his little Batman, uh, special effects and he, infiltrated this this stronghold of the mandarin and made it to the mandarin's lair so i'm like you know point blank and period tony stark proved that he's a bad man he he had had this ptsd after the first meeting with thanos he had his the ptsd he had the doubt that he was heroic he knew that there were devils that he had created, but he did not know that he was about to go and face the devils that he had created. He went with stuff that he made himself. And I, that's why I say he just reminded me of Batman in that moment. So he went all Batman and he took down the entire stronghold of the Mandarin. And I thought that was dope. Uh, Thor, the Dark World. Yeah, I found one in there when Milnir was racing across the realms to get to Thor because it got confused which realm that was Thor in. He was calling for it and Milnir was like shooting across all these different realms, going through the convergence, trying to get to him. Tell me that wasn't dope, even though that movie was boo-boo. That scene was dope. <laughs> Then we have Captain America, the Winter Soldier. My favorite, probably my fourth favorite in the entire franchise so far, was the elevator fight scene in the Winter Soldier. Captain America says, before we get started, does anybody want to get out? Tell me that wasn't one of the dopest fight scenes. I don't, the Rus something about the Russos with these close quartered, uh, God dang on the close quarter fight scenes. They're my favorite thing in the world. And they executed this one brilliantly. The choreography in this fight was absolutely brilliant. I thought it was beautiful. I thought the, even coming all the way down to the way uh, Cap won the fight. Beautiful. I can watch it over and over and over again. I love it. Uh, number 13. Oh my God. The ambush of Nick Fury. Now tell me, was your blood pumping the way my blood was pumping? This man looked like he had no way out. The Winter Soldier was walking towards a mask on, looking like Voorhees walking. Slings this doggone grenade thing, blows the doggone uh, vehicle off the ground. And then gets over there and Nick Fury and dug his way up out of that place. I just, I don't know, man. Some, the Winter Soldier is one of my favorites, period. But as far as uh, moments that I absolutely love, it's got quite a few moments that I absolutely love. Uh, I can make a whole list off of that movie alone, but I'm talking just my top, my favorites and of course, that one made it. Last but not least, also shared by Huey 
from Facebook, the Cap and Winter Soldier street fight. Now, you know that that was okay. It was choreographed. You know that somebody would have thrown a, a punch that was that was not predicted the way they were blocking each other's punches. And But let's be real. Didn't that look good? That looked really, really good. I was, I was very impressed with the choreography. Again, I have to keep calling it choreography. It's just like a dance routine where they learn these uh, steps to make this, this fight look realistic. And that was a good fight between uh, the Winter Soldier and Captain America. Excellent. I loved it. Wish we could get so much more of that. And I know we're coming to the end of the road with them, but God, I could just go on forever. Especially talking about that fight, talking about the the Nick Fury ambush, talking about the elevator scene. Those are some of the greatest moments in the MCU. Okay, we're going to go on to Guardians of the Galaxy. When Quill was heading to get the orb... We're meeting him as an adult for the first time. And that showed us who he was. He was just happy-go-lucky. Quill. Everything was going his way. Quill is just Quill. The dancing. We learned his fondness for music. I mean, we had already seen it a little bit. But we we saw that he continued with a fondness for music. And then the dopest CD. Or not a CD. He had a tape. The dopest mixtape that ever in his little tape recorder. So that's what's up. Number 16 from Guardians of the Galaxy. Groot's sacrifice. If you didn't cry when Groot sacrificed himself so that his friends could live, you are Satan. Then <laughs> now, um, go to Avengers Age of Ultron. Number 17, the church fight. Avengers versus Ultron. This was Age of Ultron's version of the 360 degree hero fight. Except for they were all in this church, kind of in a in a semicircle or so, all taking turns going at Ultron. Only thing I didn't like about that is like they had this fool on the ropes. They could have finished him and they didn't. That's the only thing that I did not like about that scene, but I loved the scene how everybody was taking a shot at him and he couldn't he couldn't whoop all of them you know that was dope number 18 from avengers age of ultron everyone tries to live milnir that was funny to me because it was just them not being heroes they were just being guys you know because even black widow was like i'm not getting in this bullshit they were just being guys and I thought that was cool, even though they had all kinds of fuckery going on in the background where this this fucking crazy bloodthirsty AI was being born. But I digress. In that moment, that was so much fun to just watch them being men. And then number 19 from Avengers Age of Ultron is probably now I keep talking about all these different scenes. This was probably my favorite scene from the movie. And it was Hawkeye's pep talk to Wanda. Because Hawkeye made a whole hell of a lot of sense. He's like, I'm out here with gods and robots and flying people and uh, this and that. And he's like, 
And I I got a bow and an arrow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he's right. He is probably the most relatable one of the of the Avengers to all of us. He's a regular guy. He doesn't have any kind of superpower. His special skill is being able to use a bow and arrow. He he's pretty decent at uh fighting hand-to-hand combat but he's not better than black widow at it so now everybody has a leg up on hawkeye the only thing hawkeye has fighting against supernatural threats is a bow and arrow so that makes him a motherfucking hero period and he got the most to lose he's got the most to lose he got a wife children he has got the most to lose makes you have a whole new respect for Hawkeye. And if it doesn't, you are Satan. (laughs) Okay, then we go to Ant-Man, number 20. The briefcase fight. You can't tell me that that briefcase fight didn't have you on the edge of your seat. These fools is fighting in a briefcase. And the briefcase is falling out of this freaking helicopter or whatever (laughs) um then the fight in cassie's room that's number 21 the fight in cassie's room when you got thomas the tank engine you got all this kid shit you don't realize just when you scale everything down if you took an ant's eye view of a child's room how horrific it is that's some scary shit that is the stuff of nightmares in a child's room if you were small but it was so good. The fight was so good. Last but not least for Ant-Man number 22, you know. It just can't be an MCU favorite moment list without Louis' stories. So when he retells a story, first of all, it's hilarious. Second of all, some of the shit that you learned about him was like, what? You a wine connoisseur? What? <laughs> so, yes, that was really a treat. That was really, really uh, something delightful that came out of this movie that I never expected. I never expected that a little moment like that would make my favorite MCU moments list. Okay. Captain America, Civil War, number 23. The airport fight. That was fucking ridiculous. Fucking ridiculous. The Russos just, we got all, we got Spider-Man fighting Winter Soldier, Ant-Man fighting, uh, catching Rhodey by the leg and pulling him back. We have Black Panther fighting Hawkeye, telling him, I don't want to know your name. (laughs) It was so much going on. It was so much going on in that airport scene that. I'm pretty sure I can watch it now and be like, I didn't even see that the first 300 times that I watched this fight because I watched the fight even when I wasn't watching a movie. I would just watch the fight. Just go to YouTube and you know what to do. Winter, uh, Civil War, airport, and here comes the fight. I'm going to watch it as soon as I get through recording this. Watch. Okay, number 24 for Captain America, Civil War. The final fight, the final fight between Tony 
the Winter Soldier and Captain America. And I'm going to tell you, really, the fight between Tony and Captain America is kind of the, the tearjerker, the one that got me all emotional because, again, like I said in the episode when I covered this movie, who do you want to win that fight? It's like two, It's like watching your brothers go at it. Who do you want to win that fight? There's no, there's the, what, I don't know what winning that fight would even look like. Captain America won. He won the fight. But, I mean, did he really? Look at the mess that occurred behind that fight. Look at the ramifications. Look how many consequences that fight had on everything after it. The rest of the MCU after the fight. There was no winner. And it was really hurtful watching them go at it like that. Especially when you saw that in that moment had Steve allowed himself to continue to be out of control, fighting his friend, how it could have ended up. Because he had that shield up, he would have took Tony's head off. That is one of my favorite MCU moments because, boy, that made... If you didn't feel some type of way, you already know who you are. If you did feel some type of way, do I need to remind you that you are Beelzebub? If you didn't feel some type of way when they were fighting, if you was you either Zemo, <laughs> you either Zemo or Beelzebub, or you take your pick. Okay, where am I at? Next movie, Doctor Strange, number 25. Open your I, boom, and she knocks his ass into multiple dimensions and shit. Told him all about the multiverse and all about these different realms and how they're benevolent and life-giving. And these, she's describing so much in such a small amount of time. She gave us a lot of information. She, she also introduced the word multiverse when she was sending him on his trip and who knows? That could very well be playing a role in Avengers Endgame. Now, we know that when we feel like we don't know shit unless we watch the damn spoiler video, in which case, I don't know. I don't know why you would do that. That's a little bit much. Now, I know I gave some damn theories, but watching that spoiler video, that was a bit much. You like living on the edge. I want to at least be a little bit surprised when I go to this movie. But anyway. I digress. She introduced the word multiverse. We also saw another rendering of the quantum realm. We feel like the quantum realm is going to play a, a, a big part in Avengers Endgame. So possibly the multiverse will too. Number 26 from Doctor Strange. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. That was one of my favorite moments because the first couple of times Dormammu didn't know shit then he started feeling like that deja vu <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that a creature who doesn't know the concept of time doesn't understand what time is time doesn't exist unless you believe in it and he didn't believe in time he didn't even know what that concept was so you start getting a deja vu and you don't believe in the concept of time there's a problem now you know what time is First of all, you're cursed with knowledge now. You know what time is. Secondly, you are at 
Dr. Strange's whim. He could just keep rolling this back forever. You're stuck in this loop with this fool who could just keep dying a million different deaths. He's going to keep resetting it until you decide to do what he wants you to do. Time is nothing to him. He's experienced time his whole life, Dr. Strange has. Dormammu, you are a prisoner. Because this is something that you were not familiar with at all. I thought that was a great weapon. You know, I thought, I, I thought, damn, time is a hell of a weapon, especially to a being who doesn't know what time is. You know, when you find a person, a little kid, for instance, and you teach them time, that fucks everything up. That's when life gets fucked up is when you start learning what time is, because now, you know, at certain intervals, you got to do this and that. Life was so much easier when nothing, when, when time meant nothing to us. Time was not shit, you know? It was, oh, is it time to eat? You eat when you're hungry. You know, babies, little kids, you just make some noise and you get to eat. You make a little bit more noise, you get to go to sleep. You wake up. When you wake up, everybody else got to wake up. Ain't no such thing as time to you. And then you fucking learn what time is. They freaking put you on a schedule or some shit. And it's all, Dormammu, I've come to bargain. That's where we are. That's where we are. Okay. So I thought that was a good weapon, a good, a good weapon against Dormammu. Number 27 from Dr. Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. That whole movie was my favorite MCU moment because that movie revolved around the beautiful Benedict Cumberbatch. I never get tired of saying that. He is so dreamy. He's dreamy, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's a he's a he's a good looking man. So okay, I'm sure you guys really wanted to hear me gush. Ah, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Number 28. Yondu slaying an entire group of pirates on that spaceship with his sentient arrow you got rocket going around shooting people you got baby group running and helping out to the music and i forgot the name of the song that was playing while he was just strolling through literally killing this entire ship that was dope i i want to watch that again too i gotta now i gotta make a list because that to me, was the business. Like, you saw how nonchalant Yandu could kill your ass. Yandu don't have to have no malice. That motherfucker is walking through there whistling, slaying y'all. And then uh, number 29 from Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Baby Groot. Like, all of his moments, especially the little bomb scene with when he he was like, I am Groot, and, and Rocket's like, No. <laughs> oh, I love that scene. I love baby Groot. I just wanted to hold that little thing. As a matter of fact, I am shocked that I don't have baby Groot toys all over the place because I just loved that little thing. Little teenage broody moody Groot. Now he needs he needs his lips plucked with his talking smart and that kind of thing but baby Groot oh he was just so cute I am Groot 
and he was dancing and he was just so happy, but he didn't want, he, he, he didn't want uh, Drax to not like him. So he wouldn't let Drax see him dance because Drax don't like dancing. So every time Drax would look at him, he stopped dancing. He was so cute. Yes, he was. He's a pretty put. But anyway, so last but not least, 30 in Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Yondu's Sacrifice. Now, you know, I'm going to compare you to one of the levels in Dante's Inferno. If you did not feel some kind of way in that scene where he kind of was like, you know, I've been your daddy, boy. When he was telling telling uh, Quill that basically I raised you up because I basically loved you. You my kid. And I'm proud of you. And I'm willing to die for you. Gosh. If you don't like that, I'm telling you. Dante's Inferno. Spider-Man Homecoming. Number 31. Favorite movie, I mean, favorite moment from Spider-Man Homecoming. Peter rises from the rubble. When that baby realized that to get saved, he was going to have to save himself. And he pushed the tons of rubble off of him and like pushed it off like he was weightlifting and freed himself. He became a hero in that moment. In fact, he became a young man and a hero, a true hero in that moment. And he also realized, I don't have to be doing this to be impressive to Mr. Stark or whatever. I need to do this because it's the right thing to do. I need to do this by any means necessary. I can do it without the suit that Mr. Stark gave me. I can do it just because it has to be done because he was going to die if he didn't get out from up under those that rubble and then he got out and he did the right thing you know going forward he did the right thing but just being under that crushing pressure it just felt like being a teenager again if if i remember correctly that's what being a teenager felt like being up under this mountain of pressure and having to figure a way to get yourself out from up under this pressure as other people could know you could call out for help nobody can really pull you through that you have to get through the through to the other side yourself and I thought that was a very good representation of what Peter had to be feeling throughout that movie and if you didn't feel some type of way when Peter Parker was buried underneath that building there's truly something fucking wrong with you. You sold your soul. Number 32. What the fuck? <laughs> That's from Spider-Man Homecoming. Aunt May learns Peter's secret. That was just cute and funny to me. And that was one of my favorite moments because I was not expecting it. I wasn't expecting her to be there and to see him, you know, in the suit. She, she caught his ass. She caught him. So... I love that part. Thor Ragnarok, number 33. Tell me, brother, what were you the god of again? (laughs) 
And then get in here. The first time you heard that song, you tell me how hyped you got in the movie when you saw what went around. What I'm sorry, what went along with hearing that song start in the movie. In the movie, you see Thor realize his uh, power that he can manifest this power without um, without Mjolnir number one number two you saw Valkyrie with her swagger coming up off of that ship about to join this fight then you see Loki out there he saw the lightning and stuff he already him and Heimdall knew what time it was it's just time it's just like now let's go back to back and start this whooping ass then you see Thor suflexing this fucking coyote <laughs> That was, to me, Taika Waititi needs to be given a standing ovation for introducing the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. I think that's from like before I was born. That song really and truly, yeah, it, it, it fit what was going on because they were going to end up having to, uh, Having to destroy Asgard, so they had to bring on Ragnarok in, in order to defeat Hela, and then they became refugees and slash immigrants. But the immigrant song, I mean, besides that, they were talking about Valhalla and all this stuff in the song, but I'm just saying, that's just another way of looking at that thing. But that song, once you heard that beat coming, it, you can't tell me you didn't feel some type of way. You didn't feel like jumping up out your seat when you when you heard that song get started in the movie. Number thirty four from Thor from Thor Ragnarok. Look, it's a friend from work, and that was so funny to me. He gets in the the gladiator ring. He realized that he's gonna fight Hulk. And he's so excited to see him because it's been a while since he's seen him. And Hulk is all about beating his ass. <laughs> Hulk is truly all about whooping his ass. But before you knew this, you like, it's a friend for work. No, Hulk is about to beat your ass. And they say a kid actually suggested that line for Thor in the movie and it stuck. That was an excellent offering by whatever kid that was. Sign him to a contract. Shit. Number 35 from Thor Ragnarok, Jeff Goldblum. Now, you know, you got to be a special person. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch, Baby Groot. You got to be a special person for you, just you, to be a favorite moment. <laughs> in a movie it's kind of like it just takes the definition of moment and just turns it on its head because anytime Jeff Goldblum got on screen he was my favorite moment you know I just number one I love Jeff Goldblum as like a one of my favorite actors he's he's got to be on my list of top 10 and I've got some weirdos but Jeff Goldblum is definitely uh, somebody that we all can universally say he is a memorable 
person. If if he's in your movie, he makes the movie, not just movies, TV shows. So when he showed up on Criminal Intent, uh, Law and Order, I'm 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 in love with Jeff Goldblum. He is talented. He's funny. He can be a dramatic actor. I never watched The Fly because I was afraid of it, but he can be that uh, those that kind of actor. He is multi-talented and he is just a wonderful icon of the movie industry. And I love Jeff Goldblum. Not as much as Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> and just a tiny bit less than Baby Groot. But I love Jeff Goldblum. Okay, moving forward. I got a lot. We too. It's not gonna be this long, so we. I'm over an hour right now, but I ain't worried because I know I gotta do some editing. But anyway, Black Panther number thirty six. What are those? Shuri in her lab, talking about T'Challa having his feet out in her lab, and like, what kind of shoes is these you got on? And then, you know, her showing all his, all of the upgrades that she's made to his costumes. I think, um, Shuri and our introduction to her intelligence, just how brilliant she is of us, of a scientist. That was just cute. And I loved Shuri in that moment. Number 37 from Black Panther. Okoye whipping ass with a wig as a weapon. That girl took that ridiculous thing off her head and slayed with it. Like, just use that thing to blind people while she whooped their ass. Now, Koye is the truth. She definitely, uh, that, when she took the wig off, that just took the cake for me. But all of the Dora Milaje, they really and truly deserve the, uh, a show that shows how you get chosen to be a Dora Milaje, how they feel about cutting their hair or never growing hair to begin with. Just, oh, I would love to see more uh, live action stuff about the Dora Milaje. And I'm pretty sure they will be some more of their history may be introduced in Black Panther too. But God, it would be nice for them to just get something, something. Number 38 in Black Panther, The Car Chase. Man, now when Shuri in her lab is ghost riding a whip that T'Challa is basically skateboarding on, you can't tell me nothing. <laughs> you cannot tell me nothing. That right there was, who fucking thinks of that? It was so cool. It was so dope. And she was just, she was doing her thing, like, all the way in Wakanda, driving him down the streets of Korea. Crazy. Crazy. It was just so cool looking, too. Yeah, the CG was not boo-boo like that last scene. <laughs> that CG was a whole hell of a lot better in that car chase scene. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Thirty Number 39, Black uh, Black Panther moment. Killmonger delivers Claw. The way he dragged Claw into Wakanda, 
it was kind of like it was it was a good scene but at the same time it was just like this is a little too perfect <laughs> the person who you deliver this body to uh, wakabi is the person who is most invested in seeing claw dead so it was just a little too convenient but at the same time the fact that he made it to wakanda with this body tells you the resolve of eric killmonger number 40 black panther rhino charge when Wakabi decided, took it upon himself, after catching T'Challa's fade, he decided, I'm going to just go ahead and blow this horn and release these fucking armor-covered rhinos. Who the fuck thinks of this stuff? I'm going to tell you who thinks of it. Uh, Ryan Coogler and his camp. Because I'm telling you, I would have never thought of some, some armored-covered armor covered rhinos and you know they they were like his pets they did what he said all the way up until they got across mama and mama is okoye and when okoye steps in front of it that rhino stopped in his tracks and recognized the queen <laughs> and now here we are in infinity war i, I don't even think uh, number 43 i'm gonna i'm gonna start there no i'm gonna start at number 40 but i'm gonna gosh i'm so tired i need to just it's, it's currently like 2 20 a.m now so now i've been up a whole hour 20 minutes doing this yeah but anyway number 41 cap and black widow bail out wanda and vision when that little train went by and you saw Captain America standing there. You cannot tell me that your excitement level didn't go up 10, 12 points just seeing him standing there. And when the fighting started, when the fighting started, you can't tell me that at least you, you probably almost had an aneurysm. If you're like me, you almost had an aneurysm in the movie when the fighting started. Because I'm like, that, that looked like, is that when the train was going by and then it finally went on by? You see him standing there and they got his theme music playing and oh, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm, you should see me right now. I'm pumping my arms. I'm like, yes, because that's how I felt. Number 42, Thanos Snap. It wasn't a favorite moment, but it kind of put me on my ass like, wait a minute. He, he gonna win. Because when Thor hit Thanos in the chest with Stormbreaker, when it broke through all of what it had to do to get to Thanos, even with him using the full might of the gauntlet, I automatically thought that somehow they were gonna win. And no, no, they lost. And that that might have broke my heart. <laughs> you should have went for the head. Oh, no. That did something. That damaged me. That damaged me. I have not been able to stop talking about this movie since that moment. The first time I saw this and he won. Y'all actually 
had Thanos win? Oh, no. No, I got to go see this again. So I go back to see it again. And the ending stayed the fucking same. I was, I couldn't believe it. How dare the ending stay the same? It's supposed to change after I've gone to see it the second time. There's no way Thanos could win twice. So I'm going to go see it again. The movie didn't start to make sense to me until I went and was actually rooting for Thanos. Then I was like, okay, my character won. <laughs> so, okay. My last but not least, for number 43, In Infinity War. You thought I could pass up another moment of Thor entering a fray to that immigrant song? Thor arriving in Wakanda. My probably number one moment in the entire MCU. The entire MCU, the whole damn thing, was Thor entering uh, Wakanda, joining the fight. I could not believe how hyped I got because I honestly, even just seeing him join the fight, I was like, oh shit, I felt just like Banner did. You guys are so screwed. That's how I felt. And guess who got screwed? Guess who got screwed? The first couple of times I saw the movie. Now, when I went back and was was going for Thanos, I, I came out on top. I was a winner. <laughs> Number 44 from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Come on. Louise on Truth Serum. You thought the other Louise telling stories was funny? This fool is on truth serum now, so you know that's hilarious. He cannot lie. He can't exaggerate. So, but the story still sounds just as absurd that he's telling, even though he's supposed to be unable to fabricate. It's crazy. Number 45 from Ant-Man and the Wasp. The Wasp kitchen fight scene when they were throwing all the kitchen utensils at her and she's like well, to me my favorite part and i've said it before when we covered ant-man and the wasp a few weeks ago when she ran on the blade of that knife that to me was just because of the amount of detail you could like see her reflection in the knife they did, they did too much. They paid attention to too many little things. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's absolutely great. But it just gives you license to geek out in a movie, especially if hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat and fight scenes and that kind of thing kind of becomes your thing. And I'm not saying that I go to these movies looking for the fights, but you, it, you, you do kind of look for the fights. <laughs> And and that was one that we continuously saw in the commercials and in the trailers and whatnot. But for it to be a part of a bigger scene, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That movie, Arena, that scene in that movie was dope. The fight scene was pretty damn good. She was utilizing the get small, get big. She was utilizing the power better than what a Ant-Man could. And... That's kind of crazy seeing as though he's had a lot more time to practice using this suit than she had. But it is what it is. She she definitely put the flu flops on them cats in that kitchen. 
last movie is Captain Marvel. Number 46. Favorite moment from Captain Marvel. It's when Cap- Captain Marvel's full power was unleashed. When basically the cuffs came off. When, when that one arm that she had tied behind her back was loosened. And now she's going to show you unbridled power. Just all emotion. So they kept telling her, suppress her emotions, suppress her emotions, because power is predicated by emotion. And they were suppressing it with that little chip they had in her in her uh, neck. Get rid of the chip. Unbridled emotion uh, becomes a, a, a binary event coming from from Captain Marvel and she out here punching spaceships and just doing all kinds of ridiculousness, absorbing uh, energy blasts and pushing them back out. Just whooping ass, basically. Yeah. Just whooping ass. You can't knock what they did with, with Captain Marvel because they did not take a lot of liberties with her character this this is the character pretty much that we've gotten from the comic books and i'm not saying everything remains the same i'm just saying she was overpowered in the comic books now hopefully she's not so overpowered that it it becomes boring because you know okay captain marvel's gonna come and everybody's gonna she's gonna win because just like we have this op character thor who actually had weaknesses and his weakness is his own doubt what he doesn't realize he can do without the aid of uh, a weapon he continuously forgets that he is the god of thunder he commands uh, thunder and lightning and all of that he can bring that on he does not need a weapon to do the things that he needs to do he hasn't convinced himself of that yet, but I digress. We've had this OP character who uh, we saw him and what we thought. I don't know how many other people thought that he was going to save the day at the end of Infinity War, but we were proven wrong. He did not save the day. He could have had he not been being uh, boneheaded and egomaniacal because he wanted to gloat. Again, I digress. So, with Captain Marvel, I like to see the same thing. There has to be some weakness. And Kevin Feige has has answered the question uh, without answering the question. He says that she will discover her weaknesses. She's going to discover her weaknesses. Something's going to happen to show her that she is not quite as strong as she thinks she is. And I, I, I would appreciate that. I don't want her to be so, so overpowered that she just uh, breezes through everything and the MCU becomes a fucking farce because she's in it. That would not be good for any of us, to be quite honest, if you are a true fan of the genre. I digress. I'm moving on into other things. We're going to pick up there Tuesday, probably, where we can just freestyle talk, but it's not going to be about in-game. It's going to be all about just our lead up to the big event. Tuesday is going to be uh Tuesday. We'll talk about Tuesday after I give you this last MCU moment that I would consider one of my favorites. 
was when Goose was revealed to be a flurkin. I knew Goose. <laughs> I knew Goose was a flurkin. I'm pretty sure a lot of you knew Goose was a flurkin too. If you knew what a flurkin was, if you followed me way back when I first covered Captain Marvel and I talked about her pet cat being a flurkin, um, you knew what a flurkin was, and you probably had an inkling that Goose was gonna be a flurkin. But the reveal in the movie was very satisfying. It was very satisfying to see this freaking all these tentacles and all this shit, this stuff, the stuff that horror movies are made of coming out of this cat's mouth. <laughs> oh, it was just wonderful. It's very satisfying. I was very happy. And when the cat scratched Nick Fury's eye out, and if you ain't seen this shit by now, you ain't going to see it no way. So I don't even have to announce the spoilers for Captain Marvel. We on to bigger and better things. This movie has been out for damn it a month and a half. Anyway, uh, like I was saying, when the cat scratched Nick Fury's eye out, and he's like, oh, it's just a cat scratch, and the scrolls were like, uh-uh, they like, it's, it's about to be some lasting damage behind that, and that is the way that he lost his eye. That's incredible. I'm so glad I didn't accidentally say that when I was guesting on from Ada Geeks. Now, now Eddie said it himself because they were trying, they were shooting so hard for no spoilers. And I'm like, oh shit, I, I wanted to drop all types of bombs over there, but I just didn't do it because, you know, you don't go to somebody else's house, mud on your feet. I just wanted to follow the rules so that I could get invited back again, you know. Now over here, I'm dropping, I'm dropping bombs because it's been 10 years. <laughs> It's been going on for 10 years. If you wasn't, if you haven't seen these movies, fuck it. You know, you're either going to watch them or you're not. Point blank and period. So I've told you all of my favorite moments from damn near every MCU movie in existence. The only thing that we got left now is Endgame. And I'm not going to, you know, not going to speculate on anything today. I'm just going to tell you to stay woke. Keep your heads on a swivel. There are people out there who would like to do nothing else than spoil this whole fucking event for people who are looking forward to it. So keep your head on a swivel. And I'm going to also say this. Stay safe in the cinemas. And I'm not saying this to be funny or to be fear mongering. I'm saying if you see something, say something. And I'm going to say it again. Hopefully I remember to say it again on Tuesday. If you see something funky going on at these movies say something we don't want nobody to get in with bad intent no because they know that these movie theaters are going to be packed so if you see something say something please 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 okay last but not least Tuesday there's going to be that reminder again definitely keep your head on a swivel stay off social media be vigilant uh, the people are trying to ruin it for us let me know if you have any big plans are you going to cosplay for for Avengers Endgame are you planning on having anything to drink in the movie because of the three hour length of time will you be wearing a depends 
all of these things uh, inquiring minds would like to know and if you want me to know send me an email at after the snap at gmail.com do that before tuesday and i will include it it's part of my show why the hell not but after the snap at gmail.com is the email address you can find me on facebook twitter and instagram facebook is after the snap twitter is at snap after and instagram is after the snap 2018 hit me up you can also find me on patreon.com slash after the snap if you would like to make a donation to the program also one-time donations can be sent to paypal.me slash after the snap one-time donations we'd appreciate anything 50 cents 38 cents i don't give a fuck yeah whatever you can spare thank you thank you thank you for submitting reviews uh i mean ratings i haven't gotten any new reviews but i've gotten a couple new ratings and i appreciate you whomever you are thank you very much for doing that and helping to uh support the show showing what you that you like the show that you enjoy the content i appreciate you and you and i appreciate you as well so since i've got nothing else to talk about today and i've run quite a long time but i said i would be a marathon episode of me just rambling at 2 30 in the morning i've got nothing else for you at 2 30 this morning so i'll catch you on the flip